Y'all, for the first time in history over the weekend, we shot a billionaire to space. And then he successfully landed. Wow. Wow, a very weird energy in the room this morning. But yeah, welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. It is Monday, July 12th, 2021. Hit that like button, otherwise we'll punch you in the throat, and let's just jump into it. But yeah, first up today, joking aside, yesterday morning, Sir Richard Branson became the first billionaire to travel to the edge of space, or about 53 miles above Earth. And this, of course, very notably before Jeff Bezos and his company, Blue Origin, got their chance. Though, notably, unlike Branson and his company, Virgin Galactic, Bezos will fly just over the internationally recognized edge of space, which is known as the Kármán line, about 62 miles above Earth. Which is also why I think this weekend we saw Blue Origin throwing jabs at Branson's flight. Tweeting from the beginning, our spacecraft was designed Designed to fly above the Kármán line so none of our astronauts have an asterisk next to their name. With them also including a photo comparing different features of each flight and basically trying to paint Virgin Galactic as a souped-up airplane and not its own shuttle and actual spaceship. But also regarding this debate, which, I mean, depending on who you are, it's petty or it's not, both the U.S. military and NASA recognize the start of outer space at 50 miles above the Earth's surface. So anyone passing above that line is officially an astronaut according to U.S. standards. Also, notably, this wasn't the only big news and debate happening about what was happening happening in our skies. One of those situations going viral about the treatment of a woman who ended up actually being duct taped to her seat on a flight, with this reportedly happening on an American Airlines flight from Dallas to Charlotte, with a woman saying to a man next to her that she didn't want the plane to fly up anymore, with the woman reportedly getting more and more agitated, the man and several flight attendants unsuccessfully trying to calm her down. And from there, the woman gets up and then bolts to the door of the plane trying to open it. And so according to a witness, she was tackled by flight attendants, restrained with duct tape and what appeared to be zip ties. Right, and from there, there was this massive debate and I'd love to know your thoughts on it. Right, regarding the woman being detained, how she was detained, you had some saying, no, the, the flight attendants and everyone involved, they did what they had to do. Right, you have to think about the safety of everyone on that flight at that moment, right? Security is a real thing. But on the other side, you have some saying, you know, this doesn't sit right, that this woman was treated as subhuman, or right, there being a lot of talk about, okay, what if she was mentally ill? How do you treat people like that? Right, so I'd really love to know your thoughts on that. And maybe while you're leaving that comment, another debate. Before this story, I'd like to introduce you to fitness influencer and bodybuilder, Denise Sipinoff. With Denise and actually American Airlines again popping into the news because she reportedly wasn't allowed to board a flight from Texas to Miami because of how she was dressed. With her reportedly saying in an Instagram story, they literally didn't take me to the plane because they say you're naked and you offend other families. And American Airlines, for their part, when they were contacted, while they didn't mention her by name, a spokesperson did reportedly say the customer did not comply with the airline's conditions of carriage, which states that customers must dress appropriately, affirming that offensive clothing isn't permitted on board. But still, you had Denise saying on her Instagram story, I never dress in a way that will offend anyone. I'm a and civilized enough to know what I can and cannot wear. I don't deserve to be treated like the worst person in the world for wearing denim shorts. And so at this point, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna show you what she was wearing and I'll pass the question off to you as far as if you think that American Airlines was in the wrong here. And so this is what Denise said that she was wearing. So tell me. What do you think? Was American Airlines in the wrong here or not? Why or why not? And don't talk amongst yourselves, fight amongst yourselves. Entertain me so I stay scrolling in those comments. Then let's talk about the big outrage and controversy around UFC 264, though uh, not the controversy and debate around Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. Right there, Conor McGregor losing because his mouth wrote checks that his tibia couldn't cash. But also uh, I'd break my tibia and let people make memes about me for $20 million, no problem. But the outrage and controversy that we're gonna be talking about today is with someone that you would never really associate with that brand 
Addison Rae. As you might have seen in headlines, or maybe you just saw on Twitter itself, people on Twitter lost their damn minds on Addison Rae. With Addison, who is primarily known for smiling and dancing to songs on TikTok, uh, sharing photos of herself from the UFC, holding a microphone with a caption, I studied broadcast journalism in college for three whole months to prepare for this moment. And holy shit, some of the reactions you would have imagined Addison grabbed their mother by the ears and spit in their mouth. There were people that were absolutely furious. Like both regular people and blue checkmark journalist reporter types. But the general gist of the reaction being, oh my God, this girl that's famous for nothing, she's she's taken the job from someone that probably went to college for it that actually respects the job. That backlash growing to the point that the next day, Addison responded to the criticism writing, "Never mind, y'all got me fired. Which then resulted in a lot of backlash against the people that attacked Addison saying, oh my God, you got her fired. But in actuality, it appears that both sides got played because the whole thing appears to be a joke or an intentional PR stunt. With a representative for ESPN telling reporters, Addison did some interviews with us for UFC 264. However, she is not a full-time employee with UFC. The source familiar with the matter also saying that she specifically did an interview with Poirier for a post on ESPN's TikTok account because they're from the same city in Louisiana. And adding, there were never any plans for her to have any further official responsibility. And so really, all that happened here is that Addison, ESPN, and UFC got free promo. And so with that, I guess maybe the, the main takeaway from this story is everyone needs to chill out. It just wasn't that serious, y'all. Then in more sports news that turned into non-sports news, we should definitely talk about England. As you might have seen or at least heard about last night, England lost to Italy last night in a 3-2 shootout. And while there were a lot of big reactions, the three black players on the England team who missed penalty kicks were subjected to absolutely racist attacks on social media after the game. And in fact, it got so bad the English Football Association and the British government have condemned these attacks. With Prime Minister Boris Johnson saying this morning, To those who have been directing racist abuse at some of the players, I say shame on you and I hope you will crawl back under the rock from which you emerge. Though with this, as Axios notes, Labour Party leader Keir Starmer called the abuse absolutely appalling, but also said that Prime Minister Boris Johnson had failed the test of leadership by declining to condemn fans who booed players for taking a knee before games. And adding the Prime Minister failed to call that out, and the actions and inactions of leaders have consequences. So I'm afraid the Prime Minister's words today ring hollow. But from that, I want to take a quick second to thank the fantastic sponsor of today's show, Stamps.com. Whether you're a small office sending out invoices and online sellers shipping orders, or even a giant warehouse sending thousands thousands of packages a day, Stamps.com is great for any size business. For an official U.S. postage from your computer 24-7 for any letter, package, and class of mail anywhere you want to send. And did you know that Stamps.com gets you up to 40% off of post office rates and up to 66% off of UPS rates? That's right, major savings on UPS shipping too. And personally, I just love how convenient and cost-effective this is for me and my business. I mean, I can even get all my mailing and shipping done without even leaving my house. And to kind of sum it up, Stamps.com saves me time and money, which frees me up to produce the show, work on the new studio, create my brilliant merch designs, work on these new YouTube shorts, everything. Right now, you can get a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale when you use code DeFranco. There's no risk, no long-term commitments, and no contracts. So just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Phil. That's stamps.com code Phil. Then in a story that's blowing up today, we have Tommy Lahren and uh, some interesting infighting that we're seeing with the GOP, which, I mean, is standout. Uh, Republicans are very much often in line with one another, whereas Democrats, you, you see infighting happen there more often, right? You have AOC to Joe Manchin. It's a big tent party. But also, I mean, Tommy Lahren is no stranger to this sort of infighting. Right? In the past, she's taken heat from other conservatives due to her views on abortion rights. But this time around, Tommy Lahren didn't get heat because she was talking about a woman having a right 
to her body. Instead, it was about trans rights. With Laren trending on Twitter because she actually defended Caitlyn Jenner. This because Caitlyn Jenner, who of course is trying to become the governor of California, uh, was verbally attacked by people yelling transphobic remarks, also dead naming her at the annual CPAC gathering this weekend. Hey, Bruce. Bruce, right, here we go, here we go. what do you think about the stuff that they're teaching in schools regarding the LGBTQ? Look at that sick freak. Laren saying that this treatment from conservatives made her blood boil and adding, there's no room for your hate in the America First movement. And doubling down on that just a few hours later, calling the attacks despicable and writing, I'll go to bat for her every single time. And if you want to take my conservative card for it, take it and shove it. And surprisingly, those comments got a ton of hate from people on both sides of the political spectrum. With a number of fellow conservatives denouncing her, saying that she doesn't represent the American First platform, but then, at the same time, you had people on the other side saying that she is just a hypocrite, with people resurfacing numerous transphobic posts that she's made in the past few years, accusing her of her daily fear-mongering, making her one of those conservatives who spreads transphobic content, creating an anti-trans environment in the GOP. And ultimately, that is the story right now, though, I, if I can add one small thing, I, I kind of always find it funny when Tommy Lauren trends. It's because she like never trends for a normal reason. It's, all, it's always one of two things. She either said something like extremely ignorant and disgusting and hateful and fear-mongering, so yeah, you hate the other side because they're just trying to destroy your life. Or two, Tommy Lahren is being accused by other conservatives of not being a real conservative because she like was nice or thought that like people should have uh, rights over their own body. And as far as my thoughts on Caitlyn Jenner, uh, she is uh, as bad a political candidate as she is a driver. Garbage candidate who should still have her identity respected. But that part's just my opinion. Do your own research and come to your own conclusions there. Then in the topic that unfortunately is not going away anytime soon, let's talk about voting restrictions. And most notably, and recently on this topic, you had Republicans in the Texas state legislature voting yesterday to advance what would be one of the nation's most restrictive voting laws in, a state that already has some of America's strictest election rules. Among other measures, the bill would prohibit 24-hour and drive-through voting, vastly expand the power of partisan poll watchers, and implement a variety of new restrictions on mail-in voting, including imposing new voter ID requirements and banning election officials from proactively giving out applications to vote by mail. You know, if all of this sounds familiar, it's because Republicans failed to pass a nearly identical proposal back in May after Democrats staged a last minute walkout, thus preventing the GOP from having enough people present to hold a vote and temporarily killing the bill. And after that, Governor Greg Abbott actually vetoed funding for the legislature and staff as a punishment for the Democrats' decision. And last week, he called members back for a special session so they could pass the voting restrictions that he wants. But also, it's not just voting restrictions. Abbott and his Republican allies are also using this time to push a number of hot-button conservative policies that weren't approved during the normal session. This, including measures that ban the teaching of critical race theory in public schools, limit abortions, put in place new border security, policies restrict transgender athletes from competing in school sports and combat what conservatives believe is censorship on social media platforms. Though, very notably here, just as we were about to put up today's show, it was reported that at least 51 of the 67 Democrats in the state house again walked out of the chambers, but this time they're leaving the state entirely and heading to DC. So while the house is set to reconvene tomorrow morning, without those Democrats, there won't be enough members present to conduct business. And so right now, I mean, this is a developing situation. We're gonna have to see what happens, but I mean, this is gonna be a very dramatic showdown. And then let's talk about this Huge news out of Cuba, though, uh, a quick side thing. As you may or more likely may not have seen this morning because I don't think there are notifications with YouTube Shorts, which I'm completely fine with. I actually uploaded a YouTube Short on this topic this morning, and uh, the goal this week is actually to upload a YouTube Short right in the morning, and then still in the afternoon you get the Philip DeFranco Show. Now, the majority of the time, that the YouTube Short's not gonna be something that I also talked about in the Philip DeFranco Show, but this was something that I thought people could benefit by just getting a, a general knowledge, and now uh, a slightly deeper look at it. All right, so with that said, Cuba saw a very rare event on Sunday when thousands of protesters took to the streets in cities across the country chanting. Yeah! 
the protests, which are the first large ones in about 30 years, have been fueled by a variety of factors, including political and personal freedoms and anger over the island's worst economic crisis since the fall of the Soviet Union. And on top of that, the island's once revered healthcare system has largely collapsed amid the COVID-19 pandemic. Right, and something we noticed with the protests is that they gained steam as videos posted to social media started making their rounds, but that also resulted in a few hours later, the government managing to largely shut off the internet, with the Cuban president Miguel Diaz-Canel then appearing on national television to let the nation know that the army was authorized to stop the protest, warning that the order to fight has been given. Also, very notably asking that other Cubans confront the protesters, calling for what he called all the revolutionaries in the country, all the communists, to take to the streets and go to places where these provocations are going to take place. And so with all of this, so far one person has died because of the protests in Cuba and many others injured, including journalists from outlets such as the Associated Press. And notably, the protests in Cuba have caused political ripples even here in the U.S. In fact, one of the first official responses came from State Department official Julie Chung, who tweeted, Peaceful protests are growing in Cuba as the Cuban people exercise their right to peaceful assembly to express concern about rising COVID cases, deaths, and medicine shortages. We commend the numerous efforts of the Cuban people mobilizing donations to help neighbors in need. With outlets and even Twitter echoing the sentiments of the protests are caused by COVID-19, but also that characterization of the protests has been a massive problem for many others. Ron Coleman, a prominent conservative lawyer, mocking that characterization by tweeting, I'll never forget those protests against the German measles, posting a video of protesters taking down the Berlin Wall. Others, such as Cuban-American Senator Marco Rubio, pointing out that while yes, COVID has undoubtedly played a part in highlighting issues of the Cuban regime, it and associated shortages are hardly the only reason people are on the streets. With Rubio also going on to criticize the Biden administration in a video on Twitter last night. Why can't the White House just say it clearly? This is not about COVID. This is not about anything else. This is about freedom. Say it. However, Biden has actually since come out to more clearly state his administration's stance, writing in a statement this morning. We stand with the Cuban people and their clarion call for freedom and relief from the tragic grip of the pandemic and from the decades of repression and economic suffering to which they have been subjected by Cuba's authoritarian regime. And also with this, Cuban Americans have come out in droves to support the protests. Since Sunday, thousands have been on the streets of Miami to show solidarity with the protesters in Cuba. And in fact, one of the most drastic calls for action came from Miami's mayor who called for a US-led international intervention in Cuba. Although at the same time, the Cuban government does have international defenders with some calling the protests a US-led efforts. Others saying that the situation in Cuba is only the way that it is because of a decades long US embargo effort. And for many exiled Cuban communities, concerns about the conditions on the island have been increasing for a few months now, especially after the government refused international aid to fight the worsening COVID-19 pandemic. With Cuban officials going as far to mock that aid and the country refusing to be a part of the COVAX vaccine sharing program, instead opting to make its own vaccines. Yeah, for now we have to wait and see what's gonna happen on the ground in Cuba. I mean, as of Monday morning, it's unclear how many people are still protesting there, especially because the government's response was swift and by all accounts brutal and the internet is still largely shut down across the island. Yeah, ultimately with this story, I really would love to know your thoughts. Well, what camp, as far as like what we talked about, people's opinions that are being shared, where you land and why, I'd love to know. But ultimately with this story or honestly anything else that stood out to you today, I'd love to know your thoughts in those comments down below because yes, this is a news show, but it's also supposed to be a conversation. And of course, as always, thank you for watching, liking, subscribing, all the good stuff. My name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you tomorrow.